hello, and welcome to episode 65 of Whiskey Talk. I'm your host, Madge Schmoll. Scotland is known around the world for its whiskey, but what about its rum? I recently headed to Livingston, just outside of Edinburgh, to ask that question to JC and Paul Rudaziqua, the husband and wife team behind Matuga Rum. Keep listening for the story behind Paul and Jacine's distillery and how it blends elements of African, Caribbean and Scottish cultures and heritage. So our first question is an easy one. You started production here in 2018, um, but how did it all come about? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, we've, we did start in 2018, but we've been in the rum industry since 2015, technically. And it all started um, with a conversation between you and me and one of your uncles, and didn't it? So we were, we were drinking rum, as you do, and I had just been introduced to rum, to be honest, by your family. Um, I grew up in Uganda, and rum is not really a, not really a thing, uh, largely whiskey and and, and, and gin. Um, so I I I'm unashamedly a malt head. I love my malt whiskey, um, um, and so I I came to the UK uh, to study engineering and um, discovered a huge array of malts that we we don't get access to in Uganda, and I yeah I I started to like that. And I met uh, Jason's family are from the Caribbean, and they told me, you know, you're, you're not drinking the proper stuff. You need to drink <laughs> rum. And so that that introduced me to rum. I I have to be honest, I would never have picked rum in a in a in a, in a bar and, or in a pub. I would always have gone for for a malt. I was drinking something neat, um, largely because I, I it just wasn't um, something I considered to be that kind of uh, spirit, but. Uh, your family introduced me to Jamaican rums and they are so flavoursome, you know. That was one thing I didn't like about a lot of rums I tried is that they were very light flavour-wise. You know, and if, you know, if, if your palate's adapted to the complexities of malt whiskey, you, you want something a bit more complex and Jamaican rums have that in, in, in spades, they've got so much flavour. And so I started asking the question about world rums. I discovered a lot of the Caribbean rums, very nice stuff. And we started asking questions about where else is rum made. And it seemed to be almost everywhere except for Africa, which mm-hmm. didn't actually make a lot of sense because I grew up in, in, in Uganda and we had sugarcane everywhere. We used to we used to have it as a snack. You'd literally buy it from the side of the road and, and you'd be chewing on it, you know? So... Um, yeah, and you felt that, and you found that we couldn't find any rum every time we went to Uganda. Yeah, so so we were newly married and visiting Uganda and Kenya often, and I was so confused that I'd see lots of sugarcane, but I just couldn't get rum. So as Paul says, you know, that, that started triggering some questions, you know, uh, isn't it interesting that there's lots of sugarcane, but there's no rum tradition in East Africa? And um, and actually, where does Africa show up in the world of fine spirits when there's this amazing natural produce? Um, and then we, as Paul said, we had this spark of an idea, as Paul says, while we're drinking rum um, at a, a family occasion. And uh, we'd seen what had happened in beer, like the craft beer movement. We'd seen how that had uh, unfolded with gin, uh, the big craft gin boom. And we thought, well, could you bring that 
kind of artisanal approach to, to rum. Could we make a rum from scratch in the United Kingdom? Um, that was the first question. And then secondly, we were quite sure that if we could make a rum, we wanted it to um, be intrinsically linked to our cultural heritage because, as I said, um, we just couldn't see where Africa was showing up uh, in spirits and certainly not in rum globally. So this is around 2014-2015 and at that time there is really only one person making rum and that was um, the master distiller at the English Spirit Distillery down in England. So that's how we got into uh, the spirits business and snapshot in time uh, we didn't really have much experience in the sector apart from enjoying fine spirits. So um, Paul was a civil engineer, uh, I was working in corporate marketing. But we worked with uh, the English Spirit Distillery to come up with a rum and, uh, and, and, uh, and our brand. And uh, by October 2015, we were at the London Rum Festival launching our Matuga rum brand to the world. <laughs> um, and we presented two very unique rums. Um, first of all, we were telling people that it was made from scratch in the UK and people were scratching their heads about that, like, how can it be any good, and, you know, what's the provenance here, and where are you getting your sugarcane molasses from, all those questions. And um, the style of rum that we were presenting was very unique. So we presented Matuga Golden and Matuga Spice. So um, I'll talk about Matuga Spice. Matuga Spiced uh, is a masala chai-infused rum, and again, that was very unique at the time, huh? And um, as an organisation, we have what we call this rum triad, where it's this beautiful cultural collision. Um, uh, as we stand now, it's Scotland meets uh, East Africa meets the Caribbean. So we're always looking to Africa for inspiration. So the masala chai is because in Uganda and East Africa, there's a big Indian population. So masala chai just felt spot on mm. in terms of the spice mix. And I'll let Paul talk about the, the Golden, which again, we think was a world first in terms of the profile. Yeah, I mean, being a malthead, um, it, it had to have a smoky aspect to it. And um, our, the master distiller at the time managed to do it quite simply, and we didn't actually know how he did it. Um, but I was happy that it was smoky, and for me that was, that was absolutely perfect because like I said, I found rums to be slightly one-dimensional, very light on the light scale, flavor-wise. And I felt that um, what, what brings an important dimension of flavor to, to malt whiskies is, is the smoky aspect to it. There's always a small percentage of peat in a blend, um, but also obviously the malt is, is kiln, so there, there are some smoky notes, even in those that don't have a peat fraction in them. And I feel that gives a, a really important dimension of flavor, so I wondered if we could bring that dimension to, to rum and how that would work, and I thought it worked uh, brilliantly, because it sort of balanced out the natural sweetness that, that rum has. So, um, yeah, so it's my fault that we have a smoke <laughs> And it was such a, um, yeah, I mean, we need somebody to challenge us on this, but in our minds, there was nothing like that in the world. You know, there wasn't a rum with a smokiness going on. Um, 
and you know we had a lot of trade people coming up to us like wow you know this is really interesting and um you know since there's lots around you know whether it's whiskey cast or pete there's lots in that kind of space but um we think we pretty much invented <laughs> the rum with smokiness and and how that helped us out was um we quickly got into export because we got picked up by an importer for the French market who absolutely loved that intriguing um, profile. And in France, they love whiskey and rum. Mm. And in Armatilla Golden, you had, you know, that character all at once in one spirit. So uh, we got into export really quickly. So by 2016, we had... Uh, Matuga was in, it was in the French market. That was really exciting. Mm. <laughs> How did the transition to Scotland come about? So, you know, with the, uh, the excitement of export and just seeing how the, the rum was being received, we thought, well, we're onto something. At that time, we still were pretty much holding down our full-time jobs and doing this on the side. And we took a trip to the Caribbean with our, with our, uh, with our daughters. Um, we went to St. Lucia, we went to Martinique, and that was a real game changer, wouldn't you say? Yeah. We, we, we're part of a, a community with our French distributors, so we've, we've met a lot of um, the producers from uh, the French, uh, if you call them the French islands in the Caribbean, who supply their sort of agricole rums, and so good friends with them. So we, 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 we went to actually see their setups, and these were family businesses that have been going for, for, for years and it's all run by, you know, it's literally mum and pop kind of distilleries, you know, but very artisanal and very passionate about what they do. And I guess that we'd been thinking about whether we wanted to set up our own distillery and I guess that kind of made us believe it was possible because in my mind, you know, distilleries were basically what... Um, what the UK has, which is their big, gigantic um, setups, but you know, it sort of got us thinking. We, you know, we can actually do this. So, the question was how, and the how is basically how we ended up in Livingston because I, I was a civil engineer, but I didn't really, so I didn't really know much about spirit making. So, where do we learn? And there's uh, really only one place to learn, and that's Harriet Watt University. So, um, we coming from London. We wanted to we wanted to to stay somewhere, let's just say, not as urban as London. So, we had to look at Edinburgh, and it just seemed like a mini London in okay. in, in our view. So, we just wanted somewhere with a bit more space uh, for our kids. So, we looked further and further away from from Edinburgh and ended up in Livingston as a yeah. sort of a convenient location with an easy commute into into um, into Edinburgh. And so that is how Livingston became the capital of rum <laughs> in the United Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rewind a second, and um, you <clears throat> mentioned Jason about the the rum triad. Um, mm -hmm. So. Let's talk about that a bit and each aspect of it. Yeah. Um, the I think it starts with Jamaican from making traditions. Yeah, yeah, let, let's start with Jamaica. Um, so, you know, I'm from a Jamaican family. My grandparents came over to England uh, during the 1950s, uh, part of the Windrush generation. 
and you know bring in culture, food, and the national spirit. So honestly, every family occasion is <laughs> rum. I don't think we actually had many other spirits, maybe a couple of others. Um, certainly not any other nation's rum. It was only Jamaican rum, so whether it's in a rum cake, um, rum punch, rum certainly at the centre of our family celebrations. Um, literally every celebration, wouldn't you say? Um, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've grown up with a love for rum. And uh, when we were thinking about the style of rum that we wanted to, to make, Jamaica was certainly at the forefront. I mean, that certainly pulls gateway into the category. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, in terms of our production style, we certainly looked to Jamaica um, for inspiration around how we make the rum. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, lots of interesting techniques that are still used in Jamaica, which probably were used across all the islands, but they've sort of modernized. Um, one particular distillery um, is so inspirational, it's called Hamden Estate, and they, they do everything like it's, it was done 200 years ago. And so a lot of their techniques, um, you could say, are antiquated, but I think w w what it brings is what I described earlier, which is full-bodied rums, rums with a lot of flavor. So that's kind of, we're not trying to get to that level, although we can if we wanted to, but we use similar techniques to create flavor and to play around with the flavor balances of, of what we create. So what we're trying to do with our distillate is to balance the fruitiness, the natural fruitiness with a slight savory smokiness. So we're not going full on total fruitiness, which is very much Jamaican. We're kind of tempering that by bringing a sort of uh, a smoky background which, which makes it slightly different. But no doubt that sort of what we call that seductive sweetness of sugarcane spirits is still at the forefront. We use, um, you know, we use dunder, we use muck, but in controlled measures. So we, we, we create something that's, that's um, quintessentially Scottish and not actually Jamaican. It's, it's, it's sort of a balance between the two. And so that, that fruitiness, it, would you say that that is the kind of the flavour of Jamaican rum for you and what yeah. you're trying to pull out from it? Yeah, tropical fruits. So, you know, you're talking sort of overripe bananas, pineapples, papaya, mango. So tropical fruit notes, lychee. So those those are, those characterise Jamaican rum styles. And, and I think there's a, there's a term for it, which is funk. I call it the Jamaican funk. And that's what they call it. It's a huge amount of fruitiness but it's not just the fruitiness which is down to esters there are certain flavors that come with that which make it absolutely um, difficult to put the glass down let's put it that way <laughs> amazing and to go over to east africa um, uh -huh. you talk about the flavors and, and bring that culture yeah there's so well. much i mean where do we even start so flavors traditions um i mean i feel so blessed to be married into this beautiful Ugandan family who introduced me to the region and um, you know certainly in, in terms of even the the communal style of uh, celebrating and um, you know we take a lot of cues from East Africa we use Swahili a lot in our communications on our bottle it says pole pole endia morenda which means slowly slowly is the way to go because it's a culture that is slower paced 
um, even when you're celebrating with your loved ones, there's a certain pace and there's food and there's drink and it's just good times. So we're capturing that essence of, um, you know, ritual and merriment um, and bringing kind of that joy to socialise through food and drink because it's, it's great and it's, you know, it's just delicious. <laughs> it is. I mean, the culture of eating and drinking is very much Ugandan. Um, uh, I have to come into this country, the culture of not eating while you're drinking, I found a bit shocking, but yeah, people can't seem to do it at the same time. You've got to be eating and then we're drinking, you know, whereas, so there's a slight difference, um, but we kind of, and I thought it was European in general, but I think we've discovered the French do it slightly differently. They can eat and drink at the same time, which is, I think, uh, there's a slight. So it's these differences in culture that we're trying to sort of bring together. So a bit of an East African culture. Um, Scotland, obviously, is massive, is, is the centre of distilling in, in, in Europe. And so there's a huge culture around, um, um, you know, drinking and traditions. So it's bringing all these three elements together because they all influence what we do and how we think and how we uh, how we create our spirits. Mm -hmm. And even the, the the fact that we called our company and our brand Matuga kind of really keeps us rooted, keeps us rooted to our roots, <laughs> mm -hmm. basically. So I think uh, I mentioned earlier Matuga is the name of a town in Uganda, and what's so special about this town is that we've got a land holding. Um, that was once passionately told by um, Paul's late mother. She was a farmer, and she also taught agricultural studies. So uh, we've 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 wanted to stay connected to a uh, sense of place and what it represents, which is in my our minds, you know, beautiful landscape, beautiful produce. You can talk and talk more about terroir, etc. But you know, we we do have ambitions to even um, have a sugarcane development on our land in Matuga. So we have this cane-to-cask vision where we can um, source directly um, from Africa and have that show up in our spirit over time. Brilliant. Um, and I think, JC, you'd also mentioned, um, you know, the distillation heritage of Scotland, but also yeah. there's quite a rum history yes. in Scotland. And it's something that, you know, we're still slowly discovering, but um, actually as, uh, as part of um, a collective of uh, rum distillers, some of us have been kind of looking at that past and we had a, a virtual rum festival, um, which we've been, uh, which we launched in 2020. And as part of that inaugural year, we actually had that conversation, which was so powerful, and it was Scotland's rum heritage. And we had um, Dave Broom, Peter Holland, who is an educator in, in rum, Dr. Stephen Mullen, um, who's a lecturer in slavery at uh, Glasgow University. And it was a really um, powerful conversation about Scotland's um, links to, to rum and to trade, and how you know you could walk around the streets of Glasgow and see some of the legacy of that, whether it's Jamaica Street, or learning about some of the, the sugar uh, houses that were there. So um, uh, there's actually a really great uh, recording uh, on YouTube which really goes into that that history. So I encourage your members to kind of seek that out and and discover 
that narrative. So as distillers, we're acknowledging that past because um, it understands, you know, it helps us understand Scotland's kind of historical role. We're not working in a, a vacuum, but we certainly see ourselves as part of the new wave of Scotland's uh, rum distilling, and that's very exciting. And what does that new wave look like? The new frontier. <laughs> that's exciting. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, when we set up, um, I mean, if you look at the first Scottish Rum Festival, we probably had about maybe 10 brands Yeah. in the box. So this was virtual, so we had boxes shipped out to... Uh, um, to people attending. Um, then the second one, it had doubled almost 20 brands. Yeah. So the scene is growing. There are more distilleries. Um, there are more brands um, who are um, sort of creating interesting things with rum, um, spicing it with sort of local things, trying to create a, a Scottish twist to their rum. So there's definitely a buzz building in, 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 in Scottish rum. and. I think what's helped as well is, and, and this I'm really excited about, is the standard is really, really high because you almost think the more brands there are, that the quality is just going to average out to not very good stuff. But it is, I think, consistently high across the board, and, and, and we're, we're just we're excited, you know. Um, almost every other month there's a, there's a new run <laughs> coming out, and yeah. it's all good stuff. So. We are looking forward to the uh, Scottish Rum Festival so we can get to taste uh, all the new rums that have come out and then see what people are doing and, 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 and get, you know, I'm sure it's all going to be, it's all going to be good stuff. Can't let Scotland down, can't let Scotland down. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. No, no pressure at all. Um, we'll talk about tasting rum. Talk us through the setup and are there any unique aspects that you maybe want to talk about? Um, in terms of our processes, um, everything is, I would say, pretty much standard, but um, making rum in cooler climates is difficult. There's no doubt about that. Um, so particularly during the winter, we, we, before we had these temperature control tanks, we really struggled to maintain fermentation performance because um, as the temperatures dip, um, the yeast just um, basically give up and stop producing alcohol or it just goes really sluggishly. So, so we've learned a lot over the last five years and we've, we've, we were continue, continually trying to get some technologies in to help us to, 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 you know, to make a more suitable process for making rum in cooler climates, basically. And the other aspect that's also so exciting is our maturation program. So, um, as a rum distillery, an artisanal rum distillery, we've got incredible freedom when it comes to barrel selection. There are no limitations. Um, it's whatever we can get our hands on. So, um, ex-bourbon casks have been kind of our mainstay and our Matuga Golden is, is aged in, in bourbon. But we've got a variety of casks um, uh, which helps us be very experimental. And we actually have a, a range which we have called Mavuno, some more Swahili for you. So Mavuno means the harvest in Swahili. So every two years we release um, what we present as, you know, the harvest of our R&D, if you like. Mm -hmm. So the first release was aged in acacia. And that was 
very, very beautiful. Mm. And we selected Acacia because, again, looking to East Africa and across the continent, um, the acacia tree is very iconic. So we had the idea, oh, what would that be like? So we managed to get our hands on an acacia cask. And uh, that was a really great experiment. Really incredible <laughs> experiment. Um, it worked really well. Yeah. Uh, I think the flexibility to use non-oak woods to age our spirit is, is one of the things I love about rum. So it gives us a lot of freedom mm -hmm. to do all, all kinds of things. And I think it, all it does is add further dimensions of flavour. And um, But we need to be careful because rum has a sweetness to it. So we, we need to select certain casks mm -hmm. that balance that sweetness and don't take it too much towards the sort of, um, you know, towards an unbalanced uh, distillate. Um, so our cask aging, we experiment a lot. There's literally, I mean, we're, we're now looking to source some pretty interesting casks, <laughs> which I can't really talk about. <laughs> but pretty much anything goes. We, we want to try things. We want to see what happens. And whatever is, is, is sort of working well, we will release as a, as a limited edition. These are single, single cask uh, releases. So mm -hmm. yeah, they are what they are. Basically. And the beauty of um, having a rum distillery in Scotland is that we find ourselves part of an amazing collegiate environment. So we've actually sourced some of our casks through cask exchanges with other whiskey distilleries, which is amazing because it benefits both sides. Mm. So for us, we get to get our hands on these very beautiful <laughs> historic barrels. Um, and uh, we have released some of those um, uh, additions. And then the whiskey houses have, have uh, been aging their spirit in our rum cast. And we've been to the warehouses and, <laughs> and tasted um, the progress. And it's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? It's actually like we're tasting rum sometimes. Yeah, it tastes like rum. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what they've done. They're <laughs> But it's amazing, we love that, you know, and that's, that's something that's, that's unique to, to being up here and being so close, having that proximity and being so open as well to collaborate. I mean, we, we, we are open, we are happy to share um, our know-how. Um, and, and to that point, actually, we have a great relationship with Herit, what obviously Paul's um, alum, and we have a craft run school now. So we now teach students at Harriet Watt on the brewing and distilling course how to make rum. And uh, that's quite a special partnership for us actually, you know, think about the next generation. Yeah, that next generation's important. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've talked a bit about the past of Scottish rum and, and being part of the new wave. What, mm -hmm. does the, what does the future look like? And are there any plans um, that you might like to share or that you can share with us about the future? Well, um, one big bold step that we made was to um, to scale up our distillery, and we did that. Or we started that process last year, so that's the direction of travel. Um, you know, there's been quite a lot of pressure on our liquid, <laughs> um, and our old setup just was not um, giving us the capacity. So we had four two hundred liter stills and um, working very, very hard, Paul working extremely hard, and we just couldn't keep up with demand. So last year we took delivery of our 2,000 litre still and our new fermentation tanks, and it's a new day for our operation. So 
Um, what that's allowed us to do is obviously build our own stocks um, and liquid for our brands Matuga and Live, but it's allowed us to diversify operation. So we now have brand new services. We, we do a bit of contract distilling and we're very selective. We have um, a very small pool of um, fantastic clients who are um, excited about securing our Scottish rum. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have a private cast program and that's only possible because of our new setup. So again, we've borrowed from what's happened in whiskey where people have been able to invest in stocks of uh, new make we make spirit and we we brought that to rum and we began our outreach at the beginning of the year um, we built a brand new marketplace because this doesn't exist mm. <laughs> really in terms of a marketplace for for private castle of, of Scottish rum so we're really proud of that we've, we've built um, a really lovely community of people who are on this journey with us and um, What's also great is that we now have a fantastic three-year-old rum ourselves, um, having launched our inaugural three-year-old rum just last autumn, it has been really well received. Um, we won an outstanding gold from the IWSE for our first three-year-old. Um, we got 98 points, which for us is, is a huge huge endorsement of what we're doing um, and it's making people look at <coughs> Scottish rum um, certainly when you're seeing it's not just us a lot of the producers um, in Scotland who are making rum are winning awards and turning heads and it's creating a buzz for all of us as a community so uh, yeah it's exciting to see that our three year old has, has got such great review and that's just the beginning of our aging you can expect a lot longer obviously mm -hmm. going forward so can SMWS members expect a taste of Matuga in the future wow what can we say if they make me <laughs> I see yes. <laughs> absolutely yes they can they can expect to taste some Matuga at some point in the near future thanks to Paul and JC for taking the time to talk to Whiskey Talk and remember you can read more about Matuga in the September issue of Unfiltered, the exclusive members magazine of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. We'll be back soon with more, but in the meantime, you can always reach out by email at unfiltered at smws.com. Until next time, cheers! <laughs> <laughs>